Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio, Heart Health Radio, oh, 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 hearthealthradio.com, Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. It's meant for information and fun purposes. Hi, this is Dave Alexander. We are on Heart Health Radio. Live from the North Carolina Fairgrounds Home Show. We're going to talk to some of the people who are who set up booths here at the Home Show. There is an overlap, Dr. Weefald, between yeah. whole, things you can do in your home and health. Well, you know, I've always said that we ought to do this. Yeah. Because, I mean, people's homes, that's where you spend most of the time. Right. And I think that I've got evidence in the patients that I take care of every day that when they make big changes to their homes yeah they get better really or when they move to a new home sure that doesn't have all the mess in it right so I think it's a really important thing to talk about the home show here has so many interesting you know uh, gadgets I, <laughs> my, I'm called the gadget man by you, my kids we couldn't get you through the building yeah you kept stopping at every booth. Yeah, but the Pac-Man was one thing. But I'm talking <laughs> about these um, special air um, devices or right. air cleaning devices. They look fantastic. Uh, right. Many of them have been proven, not all of them. Sure. Um, but I tell you, I am really excited about the concept of fixing your home to fix your health. We are actually at the booth for Triangle Radiant Barrier. Brock Hemmons is going to come on the show, but here's the thing. They do mold remediation, yeah. and we're going to talk about mold. Because mold is, is the unsung villain, I think, in yeah. so many health problems. It, there was something in the stack of articles about mold and heart conditions. Absolutely. I, I can't believe that. Oh, I do. I mean, when you talk about what bacteria, viruses, uh, fungi, yeah. molds can do to your system, especially our, our number one bugaboo, chronic inflammation. Right. So there's a part of that, but now they're looking at the interactions that our bodies have with these um, pathogens, creating particular chemicals that ruin our bodies. My dad had so much mold below his house it was it had a yeah. basement but the idea that black mold may have contributed i think to it his may problems. have um listen we're also going to talk about ted cruz saying that anthony fauci has some explaining to do and you're agreeing well i'm agreeing so much and i'm we're going to talk about the straw that broke fauci's back okay <laughs> which is england blimey yeah. He, versus Fauci. I guess it's the Brooklyn accent. What did he say about England? Well, he thought England was FOS. I mean, full of stuff. Really? England decided to do something bold where no man has gone before. Yeah. I will call it the Star Trek principle. What, what did they do? So they looked at the data. No. Okay? First of all, they said, if you get 86% protection from the first dose right. of Moderna or Pfizer, 
and you get 92% after the second dose, yeah. why not try to achieve herd immunity, which is where everybody can go back and do the stuff they want to do because the risk of getting sick enough to die is so small. Sure. By giving everyone the first dose. And, and then, when everybody's had the first dose, right. go back and give the second dose. The first so, dose would be fine if it was a, if it was a, um, a flu vaccine, if we, because our flu vaccine is like 50%. Right. We're getting better than that with just one dose of any one of these guys. And, you know, the funny thing is, think about it, the Johnson & Johnson is one dose. Right. So he backed that. But then said, well, I think if we only give one dose, immunity is going to fall off a cliff and we'll never get better. Instead of looking at the data, which is what the English scientists did, and they said, no, if you follow people who've gotten only one dose, it lasts for six months. Now, it tails off a little bit. But what Fauci relied on was the antibody data. Right. And he's supposed to be an infectious disease immunologist expert. And one of the great things about vaccines is not only do they produce antibody, yeah. but they fire up the killer T cells. Right. So it's not just the antibody levels. And, and also you have memory antibody producing cells yeah. that are just sitting there yeah. waiting to pour out antibody. So when he criticized England. Right. He's not only criticized it once, but he's criticizing it now. Where do you think England stands right now? Are they at herd immunity? Just about. I would say in another week. Yeah. If you look at France, if you look at Germany, they're closing down again. Right. England, look at the... uh, I wish we had a visual to this. But if you look at everybody who had a horrible outcome of cases in December and January, they all dropped. England is continuing to drop. I think they had five deaths yesterday, which is unbelievable. That's small. And the hospitalizations are going down. Right. If you look at Germany and France and Italy, now they're getting a fourth wave. And why can't we now say... Why can't Fauci get on TV, you know, comb his hair, maybe even put on those sunglasses he wore? (laughs) And, you know, that that magazine, Vanity Fair, that was an apt magazine for him to be on. Yeah. But why can't they say, okay, stop. We're giving everybody the first dose from here on in. Yeah. But he won't admit he's wrong. He won't ever Admit he's wrong. That is a problem. Now, everybody says, why am I going after Fauci right now? I am so upset about the choices that he made in spite of evidence to go ahead and make everybody wait for two doses instead of giving everybody in the country the first dose and then go back and give them the second dose. And the proof is in the pudding. Right. Doesn't England have pudding? Oh, wait, it's blood pudding. No, they have uh, figgy pudding. What? Yes, figgy pudding. Well, I'm not allowed to say the kind of pudding that starts with spotted. I can't use the second (laughs) word. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Well, it's spotted plus a word that we don't talk about. Really? Yeah. If it's Richard, 
yeah. you can talk about it. You okay. know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And it's a pudding. Yeah. And it's very popular. So now the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> Not only that pudding, but the fact that they've done it. And why can't they he have. now say, I was wrong. Right. The Brits were right. From now on, the people who haven't got the vaccine are going to get one dose. Yeah. We'll achieve herd immunity in a month or two. Yeah. And we'll be ahead of this mess. There was an article about from Fox News criticizing NBC News. Right. And it was Fox News saying that NBC News had all these people on and they were totally befuddled, totally confused that Texas that opened up wide open three weeks ago is not suffering a fourth wave. They are not having increases. And their experts were incredibly confused. If we open up, will we get a fourth wave, for instance, in North Carolina? Yeah, we're going down still. Uh, yeah. We'll talk to Rose Hoban at 1235. Right. But we're not experiencing a fourth wave. We're just not. And, and this is another reason why I'm angry at Fauci, because yeah. who did he give the Golden Cherry Awards to? I don't know. New York. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Michigan. Uh-huh. I mean, he basically anointed them with the best outcomes for combating COVID. Yes. Now they're the worst states. And he just got on and said, we're heading toward a fourth wave. Yeah. Because the country's not coming down. You take Michigan, New York, uh, New Jersey, all the states that he loved. Right. Take them out of that scenario, and we're heading toward herd immunity. Okay. Beth in Hillsborough is on the line. I should say that this is still the call-in show, 919-860-9783, always between noon and 2. Hi, Beth. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for taking my call. Beth from Hillsborough. Hello. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh-oh. Thank you. Are we having technical difficulties? It happens. It happens. It's not, a, you know... The, it's not magic. It's science. It's science. It's science. All right. Well, let's talk about the, this Beth, other thing. If, if you're listening, call back. We'll yeah, figure please something do. Out. There's something here from an article that said, can blood from young people slow aging? Did you, did you Silicon ever? Valley is betting billions it will. So you know that it's going to happen. You know people are going to have youthful aging blood centers. Yes. Okay. So... Where does this all come from? Did you ever watch the old Lon Chaney and the old yes. vampire? I want. Yes, I've seen I this movie. I want to suck your blood. Well, what they're saying now is, I want you to infuse your blood. It's if crazy. You, if you give somebody an infusion of young blood, is there anything in that young blood which could make an old person feel younger? I don't know. And here's the bottom line is they don't know. Yeah. And have they done the studies? No, they have not. Okay. So what are you going to have to do? You're going to have to get 10,000 people (laughs) and divide them up. Yeah. And 5,000 get a young person's blood. Sure. And 5,000 get placebo blood. Now, I don't know how you make placebo blood. I just don't. I don't know either. But they're saying that there are chemicals, proteins in blood that will suddenly turn around your aging process. Sure. Now, you know where this comes from? Vampire movies. Cynthia Kenyon 
Yeah. She's a biologist at the University of California in San Francisco. Right. So there was a worm she studied. A worm? A worm. Oh, good. And what she did was mutated a single gene. Now, that suggested that if you mutate a gene in humans that is similar, sure, you can improve lifespan. Right. So where did they come up with the blood from young people doing it? I don't know. Now, young people are young. Old yes. people are old. Yes. So yes. there's no reason to think, unless there's a study, and I'm, I'm not going to be a Fauci here. If it turns out it works, sure. I'm going to say I was wrong. Sure. So I'm not saying that they will never have a process of infusing blood that lowers your age group. Right, right. But I'm saying there's no evidence. I just want to feel like 22 again. Yeah. I was an idiot at 22, but I felt better. All right, here's what really I'm going to do. Here's what, what I'm going to do. You're going to infuse me with no, somebody's blood? No, I'm going to do an experiment on myself. Sure. I'm going to go yeah. and I'm going to find a 18-year-old yes. man. Yeah. Who has A positive blood. Yes. That's me. Sure. I'm going to drain off three units of my own blood. I, I can do it. Okay. And then I'm going to get one a week, a unit of his blood. Yeah. Then you know what I'm going to do? I don't know. I'm going to get somebody to give me some type of, you know, maybe saline or something. Sure. For three weeks. You're going to see which one and works. And then I'm going to do the blood again. Now, then then it, he's going to the clubs. No, here's the thing. And if he knows the songs but I'm and gonna he make, dances well. well no. I'm going to make it blinded. Yeah, yeah. You okay, remember know. the nocebo trial with statins? No. Yeah, we talked about that the other day. Sure. You gave, you told somebody they were taking a statin. Yeah. And it was a placebo. Yeah. You told somebody they were taking a placebo. Yeah. It was a statin. Same yeah. amount of leg cramps. Which proved really? it was psychological. Yeah. So I'm going to do this blinded. Yeah. I'll put a blindfold on. Sure. And they're not going to tell me which is which. Uh-huh. I'm going to see if I feel better. I'm a little worried about you experimenting on yourself. I've seen that movie, too. Oh, come on now. I've the blood will movie. be pure. All right. Coming up on the show, we're going to talk about mold. We're going to talk about something called the asemia trial. I don't know what that is. And the healing power of dogs. And we're going to talk to Beth in Hillsborough next on Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio live from the North Carolina fairgrounds and the home show. We'd love to see you out here. Wear a mask. The uh, shame segment includes Dr. Fauci. Let's just say his name, Dr. Fauci. And then we'll just leave it. Dr. Fauci. And, and there's something else. Well, I, I want to talk about clickbait. <laughs> yes, right? please. People don't know what that is, okay? But any story that says Dr. Fauci says yeah. is clickbait. Sure. What that means is everybody's so upset about the year. and com- It's been a year. It'll be soon be a year and a yeah. half of, this, of, of our collapse in the way we've lived, uh, that they see something with Fauci's name in it and they're clicking it. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, have you clicked on it? It says, Fauci says this, and yeah. then it's a sure. slew of advertisements. Yeah. So it's the bait and switch. Uh-huh. It's Fauci says we're all going to die. 
and then you know buy these uh, specialty uh, products that cost a thousand dollars each. Yeah, and that's how they sell things. So I want you to understand: if it says Fauci, you don't gotta click bait on it. You just don't. Now, the bottom line is: do we have to wear masks if we've had the vaccine? So. That's a good question. The rule is now that if you've had the vaccine and you are in the room and everybody's had the vaccine, right? Dr. Fauci, tear off these masks. We can take them off. We can take them off safely. Now, do we need to wear masks if we're vaccinated and we're with people who have not been vaccinated? Depends. Right. If they're high-risk individuals or not. Now, what does it mean if, it, if the vaccine is 92% effective? Does that mean you have an 8% chance of getting it? No. No. What no. that means is in the study, if 100 people got COVID in the study, 92 of them did not have the vaccine and only 8 did. So we don't know yet from a challenge trial, okay? The way we would know the risk of getting it is to have somebody fully vaccinated right. and then challenge them with the virus. Put them in the same room with somebody who's got the virus. Right, and see if they get it. Sure. Now, it appears that it's not transmissible from somebody who has the vaccine to somebody who has not. Sure. So I'm going to tell people the CDC recommendation is now that if you've had your vaccine, right. And you're in the room with people who've all had the vaccine. Yep. You don't need to wear a mask. You okay. just don't. Okay. Let's pick up with Beth in Hillsborough. Beth, welcome to Heart Health Radio. How you doing? I'm great. Thank you. I can hear you. That's excellent. Beth, what's going on? What do you need? Well, I'm calling in to ask a question about my medical care. I am okay. turning 65 this year. I'm in relatively good health except for some arthritis and uh, hypertension, which is controlled by medication. Okay. I, yeah. I see doctors at one of the, I'm in the triangle, and I see doctors at one of the local medical academic sites. Okay. And Care is okay. You know, I, I'm in and out. I get very little time with the doctor. I'm just wondering yes. if since I'm hitting that 65 mark, if it would benefit me to think about switching care to a geriatric MD or an internist with geriatric background. Okay, that's, that's an excellent question. I, I think I know... Uh, which group you're talking about. I'm not going to say their name on air. Here's the problem with that group, okay, is that they are deathly worried about being audited based on their records and having their money taken away from them. Because Medicare under Obama, Obama promised, and this is not political, this is true, he promised that we were going to save money because doctors were overcharging. Therefore, they had to document everything they did. And the list was ridiculous. So this is one of the things that bothers me, is that they don't spend time with you. This has been a recurring 
um, theme on this show. Now, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I don't bring a computer in the room. I don't have a young person come in with a clipboard or a computer to take down your history. I walk in the room with a piece of paper and a pencil. I sit down. I say, relax. I want you to tell me your story. Because the story is important. The way you say it, the way that you talk about how you're feeling, whether it's good or bad. I spend 15 minutes letting the patient just tell me the story. The doctor, however, will usually, at at places like this, will spend five minutes with you and then rush off and start typing in the computer. Or worse yet, type in the computer and not look at you while he's in the room. Here's my recommendation. If you like your doctor there, in, in the sense of bedside manner, and the little time he spends with you is good, or she spends with you is good time, reach over, grab the laptop, and <laughs> shut it. Look him in the eye and say, I'm paying, or my insurance company is paying, and therefore I'm paying, for time with you, and make them do it. Now, if they won't do that, because you know doctors that work for these places are not working for themselves. They're working for the big guy who tells them what to do. And they can have their salary docked if they don't finish their notes in time, if they don't respond to their texts in time. So what I recommend to you, you sound like someone who wants to have a doctor who spends time and listens and then gives advice and explains why they're giving that advice. It's, it's hard to find but you can find them. And I would recommend an internal medicine specialist um, as your uh, caregiver. They don't necessarily have to have geriatrics, and I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, please. You're not old. Oh, no, no. 65 is the new 40. I'm serious. The fastest growing age group in my practice. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, 100-year-olds. 100-year-olds. And so what you need and what all of us need is a physician, and I, I use that term, um, who listens, who gives you time, who gives you advice, and explains your advice. Beth, now, thank you. If you, yeah, if you call back, leave your number, I'll call you, and I got a great recommendation in the Triangle region. Well, that's a great thing. Beth, we're going to put you on hold. We're going to get that telephone number and get that number to Dr. Weefall. Coming up on the show, Rose Hoban of North Carolina Health News.org. And we're going to talk about mold. We're at the home show at the North Carolina Fairgrounds. Now back to heart health. Have a question for Dr. Weefald? Call 919-860-9783. This is Heart Health Radio from the North Carolina Fairgrounds home show. Dave Alexander along with Dr. Franklin Weefald. We're going to talk about a bunch of things in just a little bit. We're going to have Rose Hoban from North Carolina Health News. But with us now is Brock Emmons from Triangle Radiant Barrier. Now, that's only half the company, really. It is only half the company. The Radiant Radiant Barrier would be an attic thing, right? Insulation. Insulation, that sort of thing. The rest of it is in the crawl space. There's a lot that goes on in the crawl space. All right, let's talk about mold. mold. Let's talk about mold. Okay, so... Talk to me about the mold that you find in a yucky crawl space. I mean, I'm going to use that word because yuck. 
is yeah, what I found. We, we run into a lot of different kinds. Uh, white mold is the most common um, in our experience that, you know, has the effect with a lot of our customers with uh, allergy issues, uh, you know, stuffy nose, uh, watery eyes, sinus headaches. Uh, and unfortunately, if, if customers are asthmatic, can cause some asthmatic uh, flare-ups as well. It's bad. It's really bad. And I think, you know, people have not started until recently considering the, the white mold as the source of asthma attacks and allergens. And you know what's interesting? When you look at the people who are getting the highest incidence of asthma now, it's in areas where the mold is the highest. Okay. And that would be in people who have crawl spaces. They definitely associated the crawl space phenomenon with higher doses of asthma, higher rates of asthma, but also in inner cities. And inner cities are just full of mold because of leaky roofs, which cause moisture, and because of uh, leaky windows and poor insulation and all these things, and, uh, and also poor circulation inside the house. So what about black mold? Black mold is the bugaboo. Yeah, every, everybody asks about black mold. Um, we do run into black mold in crawl spaces. It's normally evident with water damage. Um, right. If there was an interior water leak under the sink, the bathtub, uh, the wax ring on the base of the toilet. Yeah. If water is leaking down into the crawl space, when you get into a crawl space, the insulation in the crawl space is, is on the, the subfloor, right? It's above your head if you're crawling around down there. So if you have an interior water leak, most of the time that moisture gets trapped between the insulation and your subfloor. So most of the time we run into black mold it's growing on the subfloor. Now, black mold does not admit a scent, all right? White mold does. If yeah. you've ever heard people talk about the musty smells in their house, right. that's, that's white mold growing in the crawl space. It actually has a scent to it. Um, but it's not as nearly as, as harmful to the body as a black mold, which, which can be can uh, cancerous. And people aren't necessarily allergic to black mold. It's what the black mold produces. That's right. And we call it a mycotoxin. And mycotoxins have horrible effects. Um, they affect the level of inflammation in your bloodstream. Now, again, you're not producing an antibody to this. This is actually a chemical that is attacking aspects of your body. What can you get? You get brain fog. Mm -hmm. you, can get, uh, you can get high blood pressure. You can have weakness and fatigue and not know it and not know it's from black mold because... There's no odor. There's no indication. That's right. How do you get rid of it? Besides putting a vapor barrier in, once you find it, it's probably not just on the vapor barrier. It's probably inside on the subflooring, on the joist. Is that correct or am I wrong? No, you're, you're right. So mold needs an organic source to feed off of, um, which is why you won't find mold growing on plastic unless that plastic is covered in dust. Right. If it's really dusty, you can get mold growing in the dust. Um, most commonly, you find it down there growing on the wood, the wood floor joists, the subfloor. Uh, and I've even had customers that have had a, a thick layer of dust on top of the ductwork uh, for their air conditioning unit running through there, and it won't be, have tons of white mold growing in that. Well, but if you have black mold in your duct system, I mean, that is like just terrible, just, just spreading all those mycotoxins all the time. That's right. And, and 
you know, customers normally know if they have white mold in their ductwork because they're running the air conditioner and they're getting musty smells that are coming out. So it should not smell. If no. you if you're if you turn on the AC in uh, the springtime and you have an odor running through your house, that's a dangerous sign. It typically means there's a form of growth inside the ductwork that can be bacterial growth, that can be white mold. Uh, and uh, we've talked about it on my show a few times. If, if the, the vents to the air conditioner are not properly sealed, right, you get air leakage in the crawl space. Well, that builds up condensation. And just last week, we had customers that ductwork had so much water in them, they were sloshing around when we bumped into them in the crawl space. Well, think about what's growing in that. Right. And when you're running your air conditioner, it is blowing that air into your house. Now, how often... If you know you have white mold, or if you can smell it, is there black mold along with it? Well, I, I would say probably 20 to 30 percent of the time. Wow. Well, That's incredible. Well, that is absolutely incredible. Now, it used to be that if somebody said you got mold, that's like a death sentence for a building. <laughs> but now, it's not a, that big a deal. Well, it's, it comes down to cost. You know, the reason they always said it was a death sentence is back in the day, they thought, we, we have to remove everything. We've got to tear it all out. Right, right. You know, there, there are lots of efficient ways uh, to remediate mold. Now, there's a lot of companies out there that try to do mold remediation. And to be perfectly frank with you, if, if you're not in Hey, you can be frank. Fra- I'm be frank. frank. Well, hey, Frank. <laughs> I'm Frank. You can be frank. <laughs> In order to remediate mold, you need a certified residential mold inspector. So they have to be the EPA certifies you? CRMI is a a certified remediation mold inspector. Uh, And then you actually have to have a separate certification, which is CMR. And that's a certified mold remediation company. I got a name for that company. What is that? Mold busters. Mold busters. That's not bad. <laughs> Mold busters. Who are you going to call? That's not bad. I like, Do they I like have it. a tank on the back? That's and right. It's a good right. marketing, uh, good marketing good. Who are you going to call? All right. We're going to have you on again. Don't go away. In hour two. But we got to pick up with Rose Hoban of NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. Rose, thank you for waiting. How you doing? Hey, fellas. I'm good. How are you? Good. Where are we? Are we getting better? Are we in the Michigan class or are we in the Texas no, class? No, we're not Michigan. No, no, no. Um, um, but we're kind of just leveling out, right? Like, okay. it's weird. Well, it's not weird. It's a sign of what's happening. We are, we've leveled out at around 975 to 1,000 hospitalizations. A quarter of those people are in the ICU, but we're only having like a handful of deaths, only (laughs) having a handful of deaths every day. And and that's a function of the fact that the folks who are getting sick, and you can see it in the stats, the folks who are coming up positive are predominantly young. And so they're not as liable to die from COVID. Um, It's more than half of them are between 25 and 64, and another 15% of cases are in 18 to 24-year-olds. And we're having so many young people. You know, one of the things that we noted all the way through the pandemic was that it was about a steady 15% of cases were in people over the age of 65. 
But now there are so many more cases. And remember, we've got 900,000 cases totally yeah. in the state. Now yeah. there are so many cases among young people that that percentage of old people as, the t- as a part of the total is starting to drop. Right. Because don't you think don't you think the so vaccines have done, have had a lot? Don't you think the vaccines have a lot to do with, have a lot to do with that? Yeah, 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 absolutely. The vaccines are saving the lives of older people, no doubt, absolutely, without uh, without a doubt. I got my second one this week. Um, Good. After a day of feeling pretty funky, I am right as rain, and uh, I, I I'm feeling like you know I'm going around with my mask and we're going to have folks over tonight that you know that there's there's going to be four of us and we'll have seven vaccines <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep yep have you heard so, when the we'll note outside we'll sit outside on our porch and we'll have the fan on nonetheless we're we're like i'm feeling like it's like ah you know the clouds parting for myself and yeah. um, you know it's it's uh so there's there's good news and there's bad news. And it would be better if uh, more folks would get vaccinated. And I know that that's a concern that they're still looking to get uh, more and more people vaccinated. Um, we're at what? about 40 percent of the state has a little more than 40 percent of the state has had at least one vaccine. Wow. What are you seeing when you get feedback about vaccination? What are you seeing as the reasons why people are hesitant to get vaccinated? Um, I, um, uh, I, I'm not getting much about it. However, I did talk to a couple, uh, health directors around the state, primarily some rural folks that I talked to on a regular basis. And, right. um, they were like, I don't want to get that thing, you know, and part of it was that there's still kind of COVID denialism out there. Um, yeah, it's not, it's I'm- not that big a deal. I'm finding yeah. less of COVID deniers than government suspicious people. And I'm also finding people who are saying the, the vaccines are killing people. And when you, you know, what I try to tell them, when you look at the 300 million, 400 million people throughout the world who've gotten a vaccine, what you're seeing is the clickbait where one person got the vaccine and died. And then everybody looks at that and says, I don't want this to happen to me. But what they don't understand, since they haven't gotten COVID, or they don't know too many people with COVID, that it's far riskier to get COVID than it is to have a side effect from the vaccine. You know, there was this whole thing with the um, the J&J vaccine and people fainting. And that's also really interesting. And so one of the things I did was I pulled up the CDC's Vaccine Adverse Event, uh, what's it called? RS. It's a, a reporting system. And yeah. I, I, I pulled up North Carolina incidents of fainting for people who got the J&J vaccine. And, you know, anytime there's any kind of adverse effect at all, and you don't have to prove that it's from the vaccine. You just have to say that it was within kind of temporarily a time that's close to getting vaccinated. Right. Um, there was, uh, like this one, for example, patient fainted about five minutes after getting the vaccine. He came to after about 30 seconds, called paramedics. He was attended to, did not have any other reaction. 
patient mentioned he's not had any food since morning and has a history of fainting after blood draws. Yeah. He hates right? needles. But he hates needles. And that was another one where somebody said she had a buzzing sound in her ears that decreased with time. She said that's a normal symptom of when she's having a panic attack. So there's yeah. some folks who, you know, and maybe they're getting the J&J vaccine because they only want to have one needle rather than two. Right. And so there's, you know, it's, it's the classic, and you know this, Dr. Weefall, it's the classic correlation does not equal causation. Right. It's that, right. you know, when you give a vaccine to a 94-year-old person who's infirm and they're in a nursing home and maybe they're not doing so well anyway, and then a week later they die, Right. was it the vaccine? Was it the fact that they weren't doing so great and there was advanced age? But the two things are temporally close to one another, so that gets sent off to the vaccine adverse event reporting system, and then people look at it and go, see, well, it killed them. Rose, and thank you. It's hard to tease that out. Anyway. I, I'm, so, I'm so thankful that you're, that you're here every week. I want everybody to go to NorthCarolinaHealthNews.org. And read your daily articles. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, guys. Have a great time at the fairgrounds there. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. You know, we're in the biggest room I've been in this month. Really? It's a huge room at the Expo Center of the North Carolina Fairgrounds Home Show. Everybody's wearing masks. Yeah, you it's pretty good. We're keeping people more than six feet away from us. And you and I have had vaccine. So we're not. I'm not worried about you giving it to me. Or I'm me worried about you, you giving me some other disease. So, well, you always should. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is what a, a lead in to a story. Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. I haven't seen colds. I haven't seen bronchitis. I've rarely seen garden variety pneumonia. Really? This, you know, through the winter, I had to stock up uh-huh. on uh, steroids. I had to stock up on nebulization treatments. Yeah. I had to stock up on antibiotics to give in the office, like hey. like ceftriaxone. And you got leftovers, don't Maybe you? Maybe two people have needed it? <laughs> and guess how many cases of influenza I've seen? I don't know. Zero. Really? And I was, last last winter, um, it wasn't so bad, but the winter before, right. I was writing Tamiflu out the wazoo. Really? So I think that the mitigation efforts may not have been that successful against coronavirus, but they've been tremendously successful against the common garden variety illnesses that we get in the winter. Very good. It's amazing. All right. We'll talk more about that. We're also going to discuss seriously whether up the wazoo is exactly the way you should be (laughs) taking your Tamiflu. Uh, Healing power of dogs and an Apple Watch saved a life. Absolutely. That's coming up on Heart Health Radio. This is Heart Health Radio, live from the North Carolina Home Show, the fairgrounds at the North Carolina um, Exposition Center. Dr. Franklin Weefald, who we shout out? Richard Kimplin. Yeah. Now, Richard, um, we've actually shouted him out before, 
but I'm shouting him out for a specific reason. So Richard's giving me permission to talk about his health. Good. He had a massive heart attack. In uh. fact, it was so bad, he was on a ventilator, he had to get an artificial heart for a while to let yeah. his heart stabilize. When he wow. came to see me, couldn't even walk across the room. And now that we've got all sorts of great medicines to strengthen his heart, he's got a defibrillator, mm-hmm. that got better. Well, then Uh-oh. he had an aneurysm in his abdomen that we had to put a stent in so it wouldn't burst. Uh-oh. Now he looks great. Yeah. And you know what he's decided to do? What's that? Something. He what? picked up a hobby. He's he's getting out of the house. Yeah, that's good. So, did you ever have Tonka trucks when you were a kid? You sure. know what I'm talking about? Sure. Those big things. Lovely that, metal trucks when yeah. in the old days. Yeah. yeah. So now they've gone by the wayside. Yeah. I think the Tonkas they have now are made of plastic or yeah. something. Well, he renovates them or restores them. Does he really? Yes. So he was telling me about it. And I got on, what's that, um, where you pin it, uh, Pinterest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Pinterest, but they call it Pinterest. Yeah. Anyway, I found one, and it looked like a mess. It was rusted. The wheels wouldn't turn. Sure, sure. It cost me like six bucks, and they sent it to me. <laughs> Richard Kane picked it up. It looks better than brand new. He, wow. He, I, like, I got this baby blue color. Yeah. The wheels turn. I got it on my trophy shelf. When somebody is active with something, even if it's just that. Right. And it doesn't have to necessarily be physically active. Right. So right. if you're going to decide you're recovering from your heart issue and you want to do something, sure, walk yep. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, four to five times per week. But exercise that brain. Very few people. Exercise the brain. Do puzzles. Yeah. Uh, build models. Don't sniff the glue. Okay. No, no, Just no, no, don't no. sniff the not. glue. No, no, no. Uh, renovate or um, restore Tonka trucks. What a great idea. That's and great. the happiness sure. that comes from that. And if you, if you exercise your brain, if you find happiness, you're going to live longer with less stress. And also, you're not going to have time to worry about your health. Right. Right. So anyway. I will, t- I will sh- tell you that being... Uh, being told he can't go to work. I can't go to work right now. That The boredom is the greatest symptom right now. How can you be bored? I don't know. I just, I don't have things to do. Well, I, you're, you're, you're just you. violating the WeFold principle. What's that? Stay busy? Of getting busy. All right. I'll doing try to, something. I'll try, to, I'll try to stay busy. Do you read? I do read, but eh, uh. not as... Not as much fun as it used to be, my eyes being what they are. Oh, okay. It's just a little, yeah. Let's, let's talk about, I, I just want to be, give people an update. I'm doing great. It's been more than three weeks since my surgery. And, and you want to know I didn't bring it up? What's that? You look so good, I forgot about it. Yeah, it's, you know. I mean, the, it's like that, it never happened. It's like it never happened. The, the, I will tell you right now that the wound is the only thing that I have symptoms about. Oh, yeah. The healing itches. Are you the, kidding me? The actual wait, wait, wound site. Has, has the super glue fallen off, fallen off I yet? No, I don't, I don't Peel know. Peel off I the super know. glue. Oh, yuck. Come on. Now, okay, okay. Uh, Melissa, if you're listening. Yeah, oh, yeah. When he gets home, this is the way you get it off. Oh, no, 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 now, no, no. Yeah. nail polish removal. Oh. Remover. I'm serious. Okay. All right. It's going to melt 
the the inter uh, what's it called the place where the skin attaches to the super glue yeah and you just you just put a little bit oh my gosh. on there oh my gosh. and it loosens up now i've had people wear monitors you know they, sure. the monitor patches yeah and they come back and they've got those outlines of the monitor patches yeah. that are sticky yes same deal those are terrible and they even make wipes that are specifically designed to remove this. So you can buy nail polish removal in, remover in the jar, yeah. or you can buy nail polish remover wipes. It'll get it off. And I'm then you, you'll stop itching. I, I still have a little monitor patch outline on my leg. I, I, I can't I, believe you. Yeah, it's been three weeks. Well, I'd show you, but we're in the middle of a room with a whole bunch of people. I don't want to look. No, okay. The new bunch of people at the North Carolina Fairgrounds Home Show along with Heart Health Radio, what a wonderful thing that we're opening up again. Yes. I mean, yes, people are wearing masks, but they're not getting extremely scared of getting something. Right, interacting. I shook some hands today. Really? I did. And I didn't even wipe them on my pants. Wow. I didn't even whip out the uh, uh, hand sanitizer. Yeah. And I felt good about it. And, and. Yeah. If the medical board's listening, I know that I'm committing a faux pas, but I hugged my first patient last oh week. Oh my goodness, I never hugged. Do you know what that's? You know what that's like. I do know what that's like. I mean, if you talk about you know a patient with a health problem, yes. cardiac yes. problem, yes, and you've you've tried to convince them they've got a great chance of doing well for a long period of time, right? And then you hug them on the way out. Yep. Best medicine there is. Yep. Best. Exactly right. Exactly right. When I was getting my, uh, it was the, we call it the stent procedure, but they didn't put in any, any stents. There was a uh, the cath- catheterization. catheterization. When we were done, the doctor put his, of course, his gloved hand, put his gloved hand right on my chest. It was, you know, all he could reach because I was laying on my back underneath the machinery. He says, Dave, think we're going for bypass. But just the physical touch the on my chest felt comforting. Why do they call it laying on of hands? Because? Because the touch. That's why I think it's so ridiculous to talk about the future of medicine being telemedicine. You can't, you can't, can't do, do that. We are social human beings. Touch. Right. Uh, looking at somebody in the eye, in the flesh, is so important. Yeah, and that's, you know, when the caller, uh, Jane was her name? The uh, call? Beth. Beth. I apologize, Beth, if you're still listening. I'm terrible with names. When she talked about not spending any time with her doctor. Yeah. That's just against everything that I've ever been taught. Right. I, I just hope for everybody that they find a quality doctor. Uh, this is Heart Health Radio. We're going to talk about the healing power of dogs. Woof. An ischemia trial. Don't know what that means. We'll find out in just a little bit on Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health Radio with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefall. Heart Health Radio. Heart Health Radio. Oh, oh, oh. HeartHealthRadio.com. Heart Health Radio is meant for information purposes only. Before taking any action, talk to your doctor. 
This is Heart Health Radio. We are a call-in show. And today we're at the North Carolina Fairgrounds Home Show. Here is our telephone number if you want to talk to Dr. Franklin Weefall. 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. I want to throw you a a curveball. Uh-oh. I can't hit curveball. You can't. I've that's, got, why I don't, that's why I didn't make the baseball team <laughs> in high school. Couldn't hit a curve. I've got a bunch of things in my medicine cabinet over the counter. Okay. They all have, well, not all of them, but most of them have N-S-A-I-D. Right. NSAID. I know that it stands for non-steroidal what? Anti-inflammatory Anti- drug. Okay. So this means This means that there must be somewhere... A steroidal anti-inflammatory right. prednisone, drug. medrol. So prednisone and solumedrol are yeah. steroids. So yeah. what is the natural steroid? Cortisol. Um, okay. Cortisol helps to regulate your immune system. So it also um, helps to induce appropriate amount, appropriate amounts of stress right. to wake you up in the morning. To get your arteries a little firmer so your blood pressure doesn't fall when you stand up. Yeah. Um, so cortisol is essential. It's made in the adrenal glands along with adrenaline and those hormones. Those sure. hormones. So an anti-inflammatory is something that reduces the amount of overall inflammation. So it reduces the white blood cells from uh, attacking things and yeah. attacking your body when you have an autoimmune disease. It also reduces the uh, cytokines and all those other chemicals that lead to pain and inflammation. So right. when do you use a steroid? Suppose you have an asthma attack. Okay. That is caused by uh, uh, inflammation in your lungs, often from these things called eosinophil. I generally will give a short course of steroids. So prednisone, Medrol. Medrol was the drug that turned out to be really good in COVID for reducing inflammation in the lungs. So that's the steroid. Okay. Now, what's a non-steroid? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the most common one, aspirin. Okay. So aspirin and the non-steroidal drugs work on a different pathway called cyclo oxygenase, if you want to know. It inhibits this, which prevents other inflammatory signal proteins. What are the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs that are common? NSAID. So Advil. That's the classic. Yeah. Uh, Ibuprofen is the generic name. Aleve. Right. Uh, Naproxen. That's the the generic name. Um, And there are many, many others. Now, they have to be labeled because you need, when you have a drug that has a non steroidal anti-inflammatory, it has to be labeled because they have side effects. Too much of them can destroy the lining of the stomach that protects you from acid damage of your own stomach. Think about it. Right, right. The stomach's got acid in it, yeah. but it's an amazing thing. It produces mucus. It produces this type of cells that reduce acid. So a non steroidal anti-inflammatory drug there is cyclooxygenase that in the stomach that helps protect it from an ulcer. So not only are you getting rid of the, um, the inflammatory products of cyclooxygenase when you have, say, an inflamed wrist, and you take an Advil, and 
the inflammation goes down. Well, you can also destroy some of those protective things in your stomach from the same sort of pathway, but instead of leading to inflammation, it leads to stomach protection. And there are people so you who will, be there are people who will say, okay, I got this thing that says NSAID on it. Yeah. And then two hours later, you know, I'm still feeling pain. I'm going to take this thing that also, also says has NSAID. NSAID. So let me, give you, let me give you a piece of advice. Yeah. You don't want to take too much Advil. You don't want to take too much NSAID. But guess yeah. what works? I don't know. It's taking them together at the same time because they work in different pathways. So, <coughs> excuse right. me, the NSAID plus the Tylenol in some studies done by dentists right. were more effective than Percocet, which is really? a narcotic. Right, right. So if, you've, if you don't want to take them together, and suppose you've strained your back, you've taken a small dose, say 400 milligrams of Advil, with a meal yeah, or yeah. with some food to help sure. protect your stomach, two or three hours later, take two uh, Tylenol. The Tylenol works in the brain. Right. It doesn't work at the site of the pain. So the Tylenol in the brain will help you less, uh, have less of an experience of the pain. Right. Whereas the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory will reduce the development and the source of the pain. Once again, a complete and utter explanation of yeah, the little it, thing I wanted to know. But isn't that good, though? Can I get, can I get steroidal without a prescription? No. No, okay. All right, there's my answer. Skip from Raleigh, welcome to the show. You are on Heart Health Radio. Hi. Hey, how are you? Hey, guys? Skip. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Hey, um, you're, you're cutting in and out, but I'm going to do the best I can. Dr. Weefall, thanks so much for talking openly about the, the healing power of touching folks. I happen to be a PT by training. We, we don't like that pain and torture thing at all. Um, but also had the opportunity to stand in on a couple of telemedicine neurology consults. And boy, it's really hard to assess sensation and tone and visual tracking and strength and um, all kinds of other things uh, just by talking to a patient. You're right. Well, let me, let me just say about touch. You know what I, I, what I really think works? What? Is in the right hands as chiropractors. Really? And I think might have, some of it might be touch, but let me tell you, I've had back pain that wouldn't go away, and I've had a chiropractor fix my back. Let me tell you what else, touch, massage, which is different. Right. Chiropractic is actually manipulation. Massage, and I think a big part of that is touch. Now, you know the difference between a doctor of medicine, an MD, and a doctor of osteopathy. So back in the day, mm-hmm. they used to think, that you could heal just by the bones. Right. So doctors of osteopathy have become uh, what we call allopathic physicians, which means that you believe in medicines, you believe in the pathological process and treating that, but they still teach the laying on of hands. Right. And I think that's great. And you know what? I wish I had been taught. I had wish I had been taught that because they lay hands on in a certain way that I think helps to relax the patient. And so I don't think it's, it's ethical for me to have an osteopath teach me this. I don't know. Right. But I like touching my patients. Now, you've got to be careful. Because oh, yeah. in this day and age, Amen. you can get in trouble from touching your patients. So you know what I do? Hmm. 
I say, may I touch you? May I hug you? I'm serious. Good for you. But I think it's really important. And then I think listening is a form of touch. Right. You're touching someone's soul when you listen to them. Skip, thank you very much. Well, thank you guys so much. The show is great. Really appreciate you expanding it to two hours. All right. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Let's talk about the healing power of dogs. Well, we've, we, dogs. we dogs. Really? Yes. And and now, it's proven. Yeah. It's proven that what that dogs heal. So what they did was they had a group of patients yes. who had had coronary artery bypass surgery. Yeah. Like you. It's just like me. And while this wasn't double blinded and randomized, it was something called prospective. Okay. That means. They started from scratch. Right. They said, we're going to follow them specifically for healing once they've had the surgery. They're not going to look back in time. They're going to look forward in time. Sure. They had people who had dogs and people who didn't have dogs. Sure. And the people who had dogs healed faster, had fewer complications afterwards, such as a recurrent blockage or a electrical abnormality. And I think that makes sense. Uh Now, you could say that it wasn't the dog, that it was the person who would want a dog. And, you know, there are dog people, quote, unquote. Right. Now, that could mean that if you don't want a dog, that you're at higher risk because of your personality affecting your body. Yeah. Or it could be that the dog helped. But in either way, shape, or form, the dog healed these people or helped to heal them. Right. And I think it's a fantastic thing. I've always been a dog person. We've always had dogs. The girls, my daughters, have always insisted on having dogs. Mostly they've had their own dogs. You know, each child has a dog that that is theirs. Oh, sure. You had three dogs, four dogs? Yes. We We had three dogs, one for each kid. And what happens is the kids move out and they don't take their dog with now, them. Now, that's not right. Well, it's all right because they go somewhere and then because they go to college, you know, and they can't have a dog there, they will the dog to us. So I have so many leftover <laughs> dogs that have been just willed well, to no us. Well, no wonder you got better so quick. I have a, a standard-sized poodle who the other day I'm laying down with my head turned and he lays down on my wife's pillow with his head turned toward me, watching me. That's scary. That's weird. No. Me. You know why? Why? He had the ability to develop a, a, the reactions to subtle differences. Right. He could tell whether you're happy or not. Probably could. And he was going to lick you in the face if he saw <laughs> that you weren't happy. <laughs> Okay, that wouldn't make me happier, uh, you, but sure. Wait, wait. There's another type of dog lover. What's that? Let's the dog kiss him on the lips. Do you hey, let your dogs kiss you on the no, lips? No, but I woke up this morning because one of the dogs was on the bed licking my armpit. I knew it was time for a shower. No, that's disgusting. Yeah, it's, but that's the way I woke up. <laughs> that's disgusting. It is disgusting, but the, I didn't do it. I mean, the not, dog did wait, wait, not disgusting for you, but disgusting oh, yeah. for the dog. Oh, sure, yeah. I think, is... I think I get fewer germs by kissing my dog than your dog got from licking your armpit. Yeah, probably, probably. All right, listen, this is Heart Health Radio. It's a call-in show. You can be a part of it, 919 
860-9783 is the telephone number. We're going to come up with somebody in the shame segment in just a moment. An Apple Watch saved a life. Now, we're not really big on wearables. We have not endorsed uh, okay. 100%. Wait, wait, wait. We will say that this happened. Okay. But I'm glad it happened, but I'm not saying that it is a definitive answer. Right. And we're going to talk about that coming up next. Heart Health Radio, FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF. This is Heart Health Radio, live from the North Carolina Fairgrounds Home Show. We're doing this show and then the following show from the fairgrounds. We're actually at the Triangle Radiant Barrier booth. Brock Emmons will come in on this show just a little bit. We're going to talk about mold in the shame segment. This Boston area hospital. Yeah, I am going to shame, and I want everybody to just listen before they, you know, do what my (laughs) sisters do and call me a racist. I am not a racist. I am half Chinese. I am half white. I believe Uh in racial equality. Equality is the big term here. Right, right. So at the Brigham and Women's Hospital, which is a fantastic place, it's part of the Harvard system, and there are two Harvard Medical School instructors. One is named Bram, not Stoker, but Bram Wispelwi, and another one, Michelle Morris. Right. And they have developed what they call uh, the new wave that they're going to teach their students, and that is called preferential race-based care. Now, it's not preferential to whites. It's preferential to black people. And they believe in their hearts, and I, I know that they believe this to be true, right, right. that if they deny care to white people and give that care to black people, okay. that they are achieving what they call reparations, and that by denying white people the care they need and giving that care preferentially to black people, that they are righting wrongs that will um, ameliorate what has happened, and admittedly so, what bad things have happened to black people. Because there, there is racism in medicine, and it needs to stop. And there but is preferential care based on race, but it's the other, right. it's the flip and, side. And I, I'm sorry, I don't believe in this. I think it's harmful. I think it's going to do more harm than good. Wow. And I'm also going to double shame the Brigham Women's Hospital for not putting an end to this. Right. Period. Right. All right. David in Garner, you are on Heart Health. Hi. Hey, uh, hey Dave. Uh, Dr. Weefall. Look, hey. I wanted to ask Dr. Weefall uh, what he knows about, uh, you know, it's been out a while, but uh, it's called Flextronics for uh, non-surgery of the knee. What he knows about it and if he's ever heard anybody that actually used it and uh, was, was successful, whatever Flextronics what? is and comment uh, further. I believe we talked a little bit a couple of weeks ago about, about the stem cell for the knees. Uh, is, Flex, is Flextronics, David, uh, to your understanding, is this some physical thing that you put on a knee? No, or it's is something, it a- something I've heard that, uh, you know, they've advertised... Uh, yeah, I've heard about it on the radio, and it's been out a while. I think it's been out a couple of years. Uh, supposedly, uh, you go to them 
and they, I don't know if it's exercise or what, that they, it's supposed to be Medicare covered, that uh, really? you can, you know, not get, have to get the knee surgery when it gets to that point. Yeah. Okay. So what, what, what they do is um, basically a very fancy form of physical therapy. And they have certain and particular um, uh, things that they do to prevent you from having to have a surgical intervention. Now, I'm going to tell you what this does actually works. Okay, so what they have shown is that, for example, an anterior cruciate ligament partial tear, a lot of orthopedic surgeons will operate on that. Um, what these particular exercises, in particular, they call them treatments, do, is uh, get the other parts of the knee to strengthen themselves and to operate um, efficiently so that it gives time for the strained or uh, partially torn ligament to heal. And it has been proven to work. It is uh, something that is often not covered uh, by insurance. But if you are willing, as a patient, to go through a prolonged, and in some cases expensive, uh, uh, course of this type of therapy, I will tell you that it works. Um, and I am an, uh, someone who has referred people to extensive physical therapy. Here's the problem with physical therapy for elderly people. Yeah, it's covered by Medicare, but you have a big copay, and they only give you six weeks of therapy. Yeah. The, the kind of things that uh, you're talking about, um, they do for a long time. I don't know exactly how long, but it works. Um, and if you're willing to either pay the money out of pocket uh, and or commit to the program, uh, I can tell you right now it, it does a good job and it will help you. David, what kind and, of injury? And I have no monetary yeah. no. connections with this. Okay, I just want to let you know. David, what do you have going on that you think you need this? Well, I, I currently get I get shots in my knees on a regular basis. Right. And have for years. I've been to physical therapy, and I'm holding my own, you know, and I I don't want to go to surgery. Yeah, is right. it degener osteoarthritis, degenerative arthritis? Yeah, is exactly. That what it is? Exactly what yeah. normal. So so there there is a lot of evidence uh, that what these uh, centers do uh, does help. Uh, it's not a cure. Uh, you will still have problems with it. But I, I think that it's been shown you'll have less pain. Thank you, David. Thank you all. All right. Take care. Good luck to you. I've got in my notes ischemia trial. Yeah. So um, ischemia trial. When I was at Duke, we had a saying. There yeah. are two types of people. Yeah. The ABCs yeah. and the NACs. Okay. And the NACs, well, the ABCs were people who have already been cast. Hey. <laughs> And yeah. the NACs were need the cath. So what that implied was that the cardiac catheterization, where you stick the tubes in someone's leg or in their uh -huh. arm, uh -huh. go up into the heart, get into the coronary arteries uh, that feed blood to the heart, inject the clear liquid that shows up on the x-ray, right. find a blockage, and then utilize a special reflex. It's called the oculo balloon reflex. Okay. You see a blockage, you open it up. 
Because it makes sense, right? Sure, sure, yeah. It makes sense that if you open up a cholesterol blockage, you're going to do some good. Sure. And you're going to live longer. I hope so. Well, now they've studied this situation for 10 years, and it's really amazing. 10 years ago, they randomized a group of people who had very similar, if not identical, blockages in their arteries. They were not having rest pain, but that means they weren't in trouble with a pending heart attack. Right. So if you have a heart attack or an impending heart attack, you need to have a stent. There's no doubt about it. The question is, if you have a blockage and your symptoms are stable, by that I mean you get them when you do a certain amount of exercise or you don't get your symptoms on medicines. That was me. Stable. Four years ago. Now, do you need to have multiple stents or a single stent? It will relieve your symptoms. There is no doubt about it. Right. Done by the right person, it will relieve your symptoms. Okay. But it doesn't save your life. So they looked at these people for 10 years. They had the same amount of symptoms and the same rates of heart attacks and death. Really? What does this mean? It means that medicines that we have now work. And what's the number one medicine to work? The statin. Right. So definitely, if you take a statin, and you can take it, and the vast majority of people can take it, you will save your life as well as we can understand with studies that are done. And remember, the people who get the stents are also on medicines. You know, it's funny because you describe my situation to a T. I got five stents, and here we are. Did you feel better? I did feel better. Okay, so that's the point. But five years later. It blocked up again. They're, they're opening me up again, right. And, and the point of that is yeah. you still have to take your medicines. Now, I will tell you this, day. Sure. You feel guilty, right? Yes. You think you did this to yourself, right? Yes, yes. Guess what? What? You picked the wrong parents. <laughs> All right. Let me tell you what I try to tell my patients. All right. Our, our time is running Uh-oh. short. Time is running Uh-oh. short. We'll talk about Glenn and Pat Alexander and how they let me down. Coming up next <laughs> on Heart Health Radio. Welcome to Heart Health with board-certified cardiologist and internal medicine specialist, Dr. Franklin Weefald. Call us with your health questions at 919-860-9783. Studio sounds louder than it was last week. I don't know why. Because we're at the North Carolina Fairgrounds home show, and there are a lot of people here. Everybody masked, but it's great to see the number of people in a public place really is. All right, let's go with Alan in Raleigh. Thank you for calling. Alan, what's going on? Hey there. I'm trying to talk my 26-year-old son and you get the vaccination, and he says because he had Burkitt's lymphoma when he was 20 okay. that he's afraid of getting the vaccine because he doesn't want to go through what he went through with Burkitt's lymphoma ever again. Sure. I think, think that's a... Any... Go I'm ahead, sorry, I'm go ahead. Go, you I go ahead. I was just going to ask you if you think he's got anything to worry about. Okay, and I'm going to tell him right now that if you've gone through treatment for Burkitt's lymphoma, uh, you don't want to ever go through anything like that again. And I, I just pat him on the back for me and tell him he's a hero of mine. Oh, he's a hero. He's a hero. Uh, he will not get anything 
like that. And in fact, uh, there is no way that it will have any interaction with any of the, the reasons in his body that he developed the Burkitt's lymphoma. People hear mRNA, messenger RNA, they hear genetic yeah. manipulation. Right. It doesn't happen. What the, you can let them know what the mRNA is, is a code of chemical code that makes your own body produce the spike protein. The mRNA is very short-lived. In fact, our bodies destroy foreign mRNA, but luckily it lasts long enough in a cell to produce a bunch of spike proteins that are foreign to us. They get out of the bloodstream, our white blood cells, are, um, uh, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, bursa cells. Didn't go to that school. Anyway, they produce the uh, antibodies and the immunity against the spike protein. So it, even though it's a genetic material, you let him know that it will not affect his own DNA or genetic material. He has nothing to worry about. But it's a good question. And if I had had Burkitt's lymphoma, I'd be worried about that coming back, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was not fun. Lumbar. Oh, my God. How did you all uh, survive that as parents? Uh, it was tough. Well, was you're a hero, tough. too, then. It, it was found at stage one. He had a knot in a tonsil. And right. um, I, uh, so he had surgery over at Duke Raleigh, and I already knew an oncologist there because my father had cold cancer several years oh, wow. before. And we knew, oh, when we found out it was Burkitt's, it was just devastating. We got a phone call that said, you need to be at Duke in uh, Durham at 5 o'clock to meet the doctor. You'll be in there for nearly a week. Right. You know, you obviously know how rare that is. Yeah. I mean, it's just rare as hen's teeth. I've never heard of it. What is Burkitt's lymphoma? Well, Burkitt's lymphoma is the, the non-Hodgkin's. Right. Okay? Okay. So Hodgkin's disease is curable uh, a lot better. But Burkitt's lymphoma. Lymphoma uh, is so rare, it's associated with those B cells, okay? Those are the ones that produce the antibodies. And it's very hard to treat. Um, and it, it usually occurs in Africa, actually the continent of Africa, which is why it's so rare to see it here. And people well, that, with... Um, go ahead. We, 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 the only thing we can figure out is he had, like, Strep and mono and another yeah. virus all back to back. Right. We just figure his body just reacted to it that way. Right. So I know David sometimes thinks that I over-explain, but there is a type of mono um, that's due to something called the Epstein-Barr virus, which is a exactly. nasty virus. And it can lead to, I, I saw somebody with Epstein-Barr who I thought had leukemia. And it turned yeah. out they just had an Epstein-Barr uh, infection. So you can clear the mono, but later on, the Epstein-Barr in certain susceptible individuals, not everybody, in fact, most people who get Epstein-Barr have no side effects once the body clears it. But some people can get Burkitt's lymphoma associated with Epstein-Barr. But the interesting thing is that HIV-AIDS can do it too. So that means that there is some immunity in our bodies that is fighting off the Epstein-Barr or the lymphoma, mm -hmm. and then it rears its ugly head. So congratulations to him and to you. Uh, walk around with your head held high. 
because this is something for the patient and the families to just have devastation, yeah. and I'm proud of you. And it, it was six years ago, so we are uh, very pleased. Wow. Wow. God bless. Alan, thank you. Yes, sir, David. All right, take care. Talk to you all again. Bye. We're going to talk with, we're, we're at the North Carolina Fairgrounds Home Show. There's a lot of, you You stopped at a lot of booths on the way here. You were, you were interested in the in the arcades. We are at the booth for Brock Emmons and Triangle Radiant Barrier. In fact, we're, we're sitting on chairs that are on top of the Radiant Barrier. Oh, my gosh. This is the material they would put in your attic. That is pretty darn cool. Well, people ask him, he says, people ask, you know, how sturdy is it? Because nobody wants to install something thin right. and think, well, it's, you know, it's going to rip. No, no, no. We're sitting on it and walking on it. So it's a very cool cool idea um, but they also do mold remediation underneath the house we'll get with Brock Emmons in just a little bit let's talk about this lady who was saved by an Apple watch okay Sam, so, I, I, yeah so what this? we know now yeah. about the Apple watch is that it's fairly good for picking up the electrical abnormality called atrial fibrillation where the upper chamber of the heart is just spasming instead of beating in a regular fashion. Right. And so what can happen is if your Apple Watch has a good connection to your skin, yeah. it'll pick up that the electricity is not beating regularly. Now, what they found out in certain individuals who take their EKG, and it's a single lead. It's just, you know, you're talking about 12 lead EKGs to right. diagnose a heart attack. But if it's a certain morphology or a certain look, and you have enough of them recorded. So yeah. say you've had thousands of these EKG spikes recorded by your Apple Watch, right. and all of a sudden, the recording looks different. Yeah. So what this lady had was what we called ST elevation. And what that is, you know, this big spike, when yeah. you have the EKG and yeah. you see this big spike? Yeah. Right after the spike is what we call the ST interval. That means the heart is recovering from having contracted, and the electricity looks kind of flat. Well, if you have a heart attack, that recovery is damaged because of the swelling of the lack of blood flow in the muscles, and that ST goes up. It elevates off the baseline. And the Apple Watch can pick that up. Yeah. And it told her that chest discomfort you're having is not indigestion. Go to the emergency room. It's wow. amazing. I didn't even know they had this. Now and we're going she to, was no, she was having a heart attack, and they saved her. We're going to get to the point when there are wearables for everything. Right. Because let me just tell you that I've got a guy who's coming in and helping me. He's a practitioner who's who's tracking my blood pressure and temperature, and and he's helping me with physical therapy. Great. He checks my blood pressure. With, with a wrist cuff. With a wrist cuff, yeah. and it's not much bigger than a really bulky phone. Right. Watch. They work for most. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you the reason why it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. It only has one. It, the way that a cuff works is it it squeezes your arm. Yeah. Till the blood flow stops. All right. Then yeah. it starts to release by lowering the pressure. Right. It has to have a sound. Um, receptor. 
it has to pick up the sound right. of the artery suddenly filling back up with blood. In your arm by your elbow is only one artery. Yeah. So it only picks up the sound from one artery. The problem in some people, we all have two arteries in the wrist, the radial artery and the ulnar artery. Mm -hmm. And in some people, they come back at different times. So you squish them yeah. and you start to release them. And in some people, the radial artery comes back before the ulnar. And therefore, you pick up an abnormal blood pressure when there really isn't. Okay. The, what you do is you get the radial, uh, or the wrist blood pressure cuff. Right. You bring it to somebody who knows how to take a blood pressure. Sure. You compare the two. Okay. So you take one with your upper arm, compare it to what we get with your wrist one, and if they match, you're good to go. Alan, with Alan, the fellow who's talking about Burkett's lymphoma. Yeah. You told him that I think you explain in too much detail. Do I? I know. I I do. Well, sometimes think that. you go, okay. Did anybody understand that? Well, you know. Sometimes people don't. <laughs> and, but but remember the word I use about myself. What's that? I'm a bloviator. Bloviator. I the, talk too much. The one thing that I find comforting is that you understand it, right? <laughs> Guess what? What? Sometimes I don't. Okay. Well, I mean, he gets deep in the weeds, and he's, you know, what did you say? Air, deep in the weeds? Off the off the air. Sometimes this is a conversation. Dr. Weefold says, all right, so you know what long-chain hydrocarbons are? <laughs> and I'm like, no. All right. All right. Then he stops and says, all right, how about amino acids? I'm like, no. Uh, all right. Carbon diatoms. Do you at least know that? I'm like, I have no idea. Now, that's not 100% true. No, that's true. not true. All I right. try to explain things. In terms that most people understand, and I compare them to common things that we do every day. Right. Imagine, Dave, imagine a bowl full of jellies. Right. <laughs> bowl full of candies. This is your, and then he goes on. Oh. All right. Listen, let's talk about this pulmonary embolism. Yeah, so this is the uh, thing people forget. Um, you know, what was his name? There was a, a very prominent newscaster who yeah. was walking off an airplane and yeah. he dropped dead. I don't and know. everybody said, oh, he had a heart attack. Yeah. What happens when you sit on an airplane or sit in a car sure, for a yes. long period of time? You don't move. And so blood in the veins of your leg flows pretty slowly. You have like nine veins. Uh -huh. You only have a couple arteries. And the arteries, the blood shoots down real fast. Right. Red blood. Then your cells take up the oxygen, and then they put it in the vein, and the veins flow kind of slow. So, like when I'm on an airplane yeah. and I take my shoes off, I can't put them back on because their so feet are so swollen. That's because the blood is being constricted from flowing backwards because you're sitting in a seat. Right, right. Clots can form. Okay. When the blood flows slowly, like an AFib, the blood is not flowing because the heart's spasming, a clot can form. Well, in these veins, the clots can be very big, and they can break off and flow in through your right heart into your lung. Right. It can either kill you immediately because yes. your right heart can't beat. Right. It's plugged. Or you can get real bad chest discomfort, shortness of breath. You go to the hospital. They see your big leg. They make the deduction that you got a clot in your lung. Right. 
And guess what they usually do? Uh, Nothing. Really? Yeah, they'll put you on a medicine called heparin that right. helps prevent the clot from growing right. so that eventually your body will chew it up. Right. What we know now is get it fixed. Now, you can fix it. You, you need to, you now, need there's to two ways to fix response? it. Well, you can do surgery if it's large enough. That's okay. called an embolectomy. Yeah. So I've seen people dying. And you put a, you do an embolectomy, and you cut open the chest, and you pull out the, oh the, the, the clot. But now we know that clot busters work, and we've known this for years. You can either give it in the vein, with a slight risk of bleeding in your brain, yeah. and it goes into your lung, and it chews the clot away. Now, why do we do that? Because long term, it's been seen that you live better and live longer when that clot is immediately taken away. Now, sometimes the clot is resistant, and you go up the leg with a catheter into the lung. You find out where that clot is, and you drip, drip, drip yeah. the clot buster in. Yeah. So what I want to tell people, if you've been diagnosed with a pulmonary embolus in the hospital, I want you to ask the doctor, the emergency room physician sitting sure. over you looking in the eye, can't you fix this? Right. Because a lot of times... Clot busters are associated with bleeding, uh, but you can replace blood. Right. And so they're scared to do it because they're afraid you're going to sue them if you bleed. Right. Tell them, look, I know I'm going to bleed a little bit. I know that I might have bloody urine. Right. I know that I have an extremely small but definite risk of a brain bleed. Right. But the risk of my having long-term complications from that clot not being fixed are greater than the risk of bleeding. Make sure you ask, because it will yeah. help your life. Even if you don't die from the pulmonary embolus, if your right heart is weak, you're going to have a bad life. If your lung has, part of it has died from this blood clot, you're going to have less of a good life. So look him in the eye or her in the eye and yeah. say, can you fix this? Okay. The thing that I've taken from this segment of our radio show that will stay with me longer I'm afraid to ask. Is the fact that you take your shoes off on an airplane. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. You don't? No, for the comfort of the people who are on the plane. I oh, don't, no. I don't do no, that. No, 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 no. I my have a note from the TSA telling me <laughs> not to take my shoes off well, it's one at thing. the airport. You take them off and you put them under the seat in front of you. Unbelievable. You don't put them on the, on the couch I in front of you. Disgusted. No. All right. Listen, we've got Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier coming up. Not only his entire show coming up in just a little bit, but also on Heart Health Radio. We're going to talk more about mold on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Well, you know you make me want to shout and kick my heels up and shout and throw my hands up and shout and throw my head back and shout come on. the North Carolina Fairgrounds Home Show. It is not in the Jim Graham building. It's in the Exposition Center. We're here along with Brock Emmons of Triangle Radiant Barrier and, of course, Franklin Weefald, Dr. Franklin Weefald of Heart Health Radio. Gentlemen, we've we got to pick up on the topic of mold again. I want, I want Brock to explain this whole dry ice removal. That's what I was getting to because... You know, mold, as a heart doctor, I know that it can cause cardiomyopathies. 
I want to know if I've got a heart patient, he's got mold, I can call you. How do you get rid of it? Well, so most companies out there use chemicals to, to remediate mold. The, the problem that we have with chemicals is you're, the whole point of what we're doing is trying to improve indoor air quality. Right. Yeah. Right? So if we're down there killing off mold with high-grade toxic chemicals, it's kind of counterproductive. Well, it, it'll stick in the wood, it right? It can, yeah. And then it'll, be, uh, it'll radiate out to your house for a while. That's right. You can have lasting effects. So years ago, we, we came across a, a docu-series on the History Channel, no believe way. it or not. Yeah, yeah. They did a, a series over dry ice and how well uh, that type of material works at not only removing chemicals, but killing off mold. Wow. So we made a very large investment in a uh, dry ice machine. You would think the dry ice machine, kind of like the ones you'd use at Halloween, right? Sure, Where you yeah. got all the smoke coming up and the couple kids A couple of bucks. A couple of bucks. No. You know um, what I used to do with dry ice? Well, what's that? I killed mice when I was doing research. Oh, my. Oh, no. I just thought I'd let you know. It kills mold. It kills mice. It kills everything. Uh, dry ice is negative 127 degrees, so the machine that we have almost works like a pressure washer. So it sprays the dry you ice. You just at don't velocity. expose it. You don't That's expose right. it to let the fumes come up. Correct. Um, we we hit it almost like you would a pressure washer. What well, at negative 127 degrees, it, it freezes it dead on contact. Yeah. And then it removes it from the wood like it was never even there. You're, and there's twofer. no chemicals. Okay. Now, That's now right. Is the visual of this what I'm imagining is like a pressure washer on something that's just muddy. <laughs> Right, you just spray much. it. That's you right. Spray it, and all How of a big sudden, is it? How big is the wood. handle? Uh, it's about four inches across. You need to have the end of the hose about six to eight inches away from the surface that you're you're spraying it on. But listen, it came. It comes out with so much velocity. It actually has enough power. It can leave little pits in the wood. Oh, I mean, so you got to know what you're doing. You have to know what you're and doing. And the you right have to be safe. width, the distance away. Correct. So, let me. The You have a container. You put dry ice in there. Mm -hmm. What gets it into the hose to the nozzle? So it's a, it's a hopper. So we actually, uh, we ordered bins of dry ice chips, okay? And these chips you pour into the hopper. You hook up your hose to the hopper. We have it connected to an air compressor okay. unit. Okay, so it's compressed air. It is. Okay. That's amazing. It's cool stuff. The History Channel is the one who taught us about oh it. As soon gosh. as we saw the series, we are like, oh, we have to have one. have to have that, and that's become a big thing. Another question. You talk, I want to go back to the attic. Yes, sir. Can the attics make you sick, too? Well, you know, a lot of variables there. If you have a roof leak, you can get black mold growing in your attic And space, that'll come down. Uh, and that can come down. Uh, old school fiberglass insulation. You know, if you go up into your attic and you have all the lights off and you yeah. turn on a flashlight, all that stuff that's floating around in the air. Is that is that asbestos? Uh, well, that that's really old insulation. Fiberglass. Well, we got people who've had houses that are from the 30s and 40s. That's right. So they may have asbestos uh, up there. Yeah, most of the time if we run into that, we have to go but, in and suck it out with a machine. But even though the fiberglass can still hurt your lungs, right? Yeah, well, yes, it can. I mean, that's if you watch any videos when they're blowing in fiberglass, you're always wearing a mask. Yeah. That's right. Wow. Yeah. And you work underneath the home, but you also, you do, we're, we made a big deal of the fact we're sitting on chairs that are actually sitting on your product. A form of insulation, radiant yeah. Radiant barrier. That's what this stuff is. What is this for? Well, radiant barrier is, is a, a insulation specifically designed to prevent radiant heat. 
Okay. Right. If you're standing in your attic, the, the how hot your attic is. 95 right. degree day, it might be 140 in the oh, attic. Oh, it's hot. Well, it's not 140 outside. The heat that's making its way into your attic is radiant heat. Yeah. Okay. That's why if you're stand, sitting in a shack in the middle of a field, it's going to be a lot hotter in that shack than if you were to step outside. Right. Okay, that's a radiant heat. Radiant barrier is designed to prevent radiant heat from transferring into the living space. It's a good, cheap option. Cuts down people's utility bills 20 to 30%, and it's a lifetime insulation. So you only have to do it once. And I will say this. The longer your air conditioner is running... More money great, you're spending. Well, not just the money, but the greater the chance that you're going to have some health effects that is from true. overhumidity and from uh, uh, the mold and, and developing it. And this so that's a great barrier, idea for a health reason. This radiant barrier is thin enough that you just call up the drywall guys and they put it, put the drywall on top of it. Yes? They can, yes. We do a lot of new home construction where we... Put in normal batted insulation in the wall. Yep. We cover it with radiant barrier, cut holes for the electrical outlets, and you put your drywall right up on top of it. So That's it's amazing. incorporated in the walls as well. Yeah, think of it as uh, it looks a lot like aluminum foil. It does. You know, and basically you're aluminum foiling your, your attic or the upstairs bedrooms. Well, for those who aren't familiar with Radiant Berry, we've talked on our show. You know, it's really popular insulation in the south, Florida, yeah. Texas, Oklahoma. But it's the silver screen you put up in the windshield of your car to prevent the heat from getting in. Right. That's it's the silver ductwork that yeah. you have running through your attic from your air conditioner. There's right. a lot of different types of it. Right. right. All right. That's Brock Emmons. To connect with Brock and with Triangle Radiant Barrier, we contact you how? Uh, you can always go to our website at triangleradiantbarrier.com or give us a call at 919-986-8808. And for this weekend, he's at the North Carolina uh, Fairgrounds and the home show, and that's why the noisier in the background. Thank you, Brock. Dr. Weefall, that's it for today. I can't believe two hours. Two hours have gone Same, by. Seems like two minutes. This is Heart Health Radio.